Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, and I am speaking to you from a different part of Southern California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project and the co-host of another podcast called In the Telling, which features stories about Black families, and we are now into our season two. Actually, we were closing out our season two. Nice. And I'm Seth Rodney. I'm the opinions editor at the Hyperallergic Blog Magazine. And uh, I'm coming to you from Newburgh, New York, where it's rainy and the snow is finally starting to melt, um, which is um, kind of both, I don't know, makes me wistful and happy at the same time, I think. Mm. Mm. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, and today we are continuing our conversation about transitions, which is, you know, kind of roamed here and there. Um, and a particular aspect of transitions uh, that uh, Seth had suggested as a title, which I thought was particularly appropriate, leave-taking. And yeah. um, it, we're going to be a bit more personal on the podcast today. So uh, two of us have had... Um, some fairly significant events that have happened in their lives right now. And we're going to break, uh, you know, we're, we're doing this in one sitting, but we're going to break it into two different conversations so that each of us has a chance to kind of fully talk about, you know, what they're dealing with. So uh, Seth's going to go first and I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> uh, well, how do I begin? Uh, I think it makes sense to actually talk about my mom passing away uh, by talking about a Facebook post I made sort of in mem as a memorial to her. Um, I got the call from my father. It was a little over two weeks ago. And I could tell that uh, something significant had happened because my father and I don't typically talk. And he called me, uh, I think he was a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Um, and I didn't answer the phone. And then I listened to the voice message, and he said that he had something very, very important to tell me. I thought, oh, okay, that doesn't sound good. Uh, and then I called him back, and he asked me. It's, it, it, in a way, it was a very appropriate thing to say, but it also struck me as very cliche and almost like scripted. He said when he answered the phone, are you sitting down? And I'm like, oh, I know what's, I know what's coming. Uh, and then he told me that my mom passed away. Uh, I think it was the night before. Um, yeah, I posted, I posted the, the Facebook post, which I'm about to read from, on February 3rd. So I'm, I had gotten the news on February 2nd. So I'll read. I wrote, I just heard from my father earlier today that my mom passed away last night in Jamaica, at our old family home in Ensom City. Her name is Sarah Rodney, born Sarah Green. In this photo, and accompanying the post, I have a photo of my dad and mom in 1973, January. It's an old color, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Polaroid. And it shows my dad with his arm around my mom's shoulders, um, I'm standing right at my father's legs, right in front of him. I'm, phew, looks like I'm like 
maybe 24 inches high. And I've got this blue shirt, dark blue shirt and dark blue jacket with the sleeves kind of rolled up so that um, it kind of fits me. And I have these multicolored trousers on. They look like they're kind of like light blue and reddish. And I got on these reddish brown shoes. And my sister's, my sister's face is being held by my mom in both hands. And um, she's also in front of my mom standing at her knees. And she has a little red dress on with a little white top kind of pe peeking underneath um, with, uh, with white sleeves and a white sort of... Um, uh, mm, I'm not sure what you call that, um, sort of neck. Um, um, and the dress is kind of looks like red velvet. She has white shoes, uh, white socks on with dark brown shoes. It's a really lovely family portrait. Um, anyway, uh, it's January, the in the photo it's January 1973. I'm two years old and my mom is 30. She died at age 78. I turned out to look like her, the same jaw, the same wide-set eyes, and to have the same curiosity about how the world works, the same respect for intellect and deep knowledge, the same resiliency and persistence to see projects through. Crucial memory, colon. When I had almost nothing, she took the little that she had and supported me to get the PhD done. I think she's also one of very few poets who ever really cared ever cared, really cared about my sister and loved her despite my limitations. And as an aside for the audience, my sister is mildly autistic. She's on the spectrum. So um, she she has a sort of intellectual capability. I would estimate it's a child who's about, I don't know, 12, 11, something like that. Um, back to the post. My mom had severe dementia in these last months, so it was hard to talk with her. And she stopped being able to care for herself. She gets to lay down that burden now. Sarah Rodney will be missed, and part of her will live on through me, her only son. Uh, and then I, 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 I made an addendum a few days later saying that um, I'm mindful that I didn't say that I love my mom. I did. Our relationship was complex and changed over time, but she gave me gifts that I'm only now fully appreciating, and those were some... Love the ones I mentioned above about the respect for intellect and the resiliency. Um, also, she was first a teacher and then became a registered nurse and later and a doctorate in education. So in a lot of ways, I'm, in terms of my education, I'm following in her footsteps. She was also a role model. Also, everyone who commented here who's given me an opportunity to cry and grieve because you reminded me that I am loved and appreciated and I feel that the qualities that make me unique come from my mom with gratitude. So thank you, all my friends and colleagues, for help, helping me lift this weight and not do it all by myself. So that's the post. Um, and that's essentially how I feel about what happened. Um, I, it was remarkable to me that what really helped me... Um, cry about this and grieve about this out loud was was reading the Facebook post. I don't think that I, I had done that until I started getting the comments back from people who were very um, caring and uh, loving towards me. Um, there were, wow, how many, how many comments are there? Oof, 
over 500 comments. Um, and people just saying, sending their sincere condolences and sending love, telling me that they're sorry for my loss. And um, uh, someone said that my mom will be watching from the spirit world and I will see her in signs, symbols, and sounds, and in myself even more. Um, things like that really are touching and remind mm -hmm. me that um, even in a very sort of mediated way, I still exist in a community of people who really do come together in moments of need, in moments of transition, when they recognize that someone that they value is going through a difficult time. And that makes me really appreciative. It makes me really grateful. You've chosen a platform, a public platform, to mm. express not only that your mom passed, but the, also your grief, right? And then, mm. you know, where 500 comments come in. Why did you choose Facebook? Because I know that they, 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 the social media platforms act as very different spaces for me. Um, Instagram is very much a space for me to talk about art stuff. I, mm -hmm. I, I use the Instagram handle Seth Sees and mm -hmm. I use the Twitter handle Seth Speaks, yes. which is, which was originally the kind of pun on the, the, the seventies, I think, phenomenon of, of this spirit, Seth speaking through some like medium. There's a, there was a, some sort of, mm -hmm. yeah, there was some sort of, okay. I don't remember if it was a TV show, a radio show, or something sort of media thing that was about this 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 spirit named Seth S E T H. Okay. So I just played off that as with mm. my own name. Oh good. Anyway, Seth Speaks, mm. Seth well, C. So Instagram is about <laughs> what I see in the uh -huh. art scene. It's mm -hmm. about um it's it's almost entirely about artwork that I've seen in galleries and museums. Um, mm -hmm. and in in a few cases online. Uh so that's not a super intimate space for me. Okay. Um, Twitter is more the sort of, oh, how do I describe this? It's more sort of like the, the community bulletin board. It mm, feels like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. I want to find out about um, what's happening, why this particular topic is trending in the news, I go there. If I want to sound out people to get um, um, uh, opinions on this thing that happened um, in the art scene, and uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, I go there for that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Facebook is more the really personal place where, uh, you know, I, th I think here's the difference. I think I can choose to be friends with certain people on Facebook. I can unfriend them in a minute if I want to. Um, whereas Twitter, I don't really choose these people. They follow me or they don't. Okay. Um, I could block people if I want to, but you know, people just you know follow and unfollow at so willy nilly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I choose Facebook to be the place where I tell personal stuff. And here's the thing: I I think it is one of those choices that just continues to seem to be the right one to me. I had someone I dated probably three or four years ago, a curator from Turkey, and I had not heard mm -hmm. from her since, and she popped up to say, send condolences. Um, mm -hmm. So I know that that's a place where I can connect and reconnect with people mm -hmm. um, around really personal stuff. And, um, and most of the time, it's like, it's, it's really about 
the most robust and the most, um, what do you call it? Um, the responses I get with the most, the most comments okay. are typically the moments when I'm celebrating something. When I got the Rabkin, won the Rabkin prize last year, mm-hmm. I had almost a thousand people respond um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. with hundreds of comments. So that, that, that actually, maybe because it's a bit, you know, curated, it continues to be a space that feels um, a, a like a good space to share that kind, this, okay. these kinds of things in. Thank you. Yeah, thank I. You. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, just saying. Thank you. I appreciate that answer. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. I, it's helpful um, for me to hear you describe it in that way um, because it is so different than how I deal with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've, you know, I at this point am um, very distrustful and critical of Facebook's role in society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, it's I, there's always been a tension in sort of what Facebook's political and social impact has been, and my own. Mm-hmm. you know, kind of understanding of the role of public confession. And I don't mean confession for sins, but I mean confession of, you know, a personal experience mm-hmm. uh, in front of the tribe, you know, the quote unquote, mm-hmm. the tribe. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a very, this this is the de facto norm for what tribal societies do. And it's one way that tribal societies cohere. So like in the Oglala, you know, like the, the Lakota tradition, or I mean, they're, they're a tribe, the Oglala are a tribe, uh, to scatter one's own is, is what that roughly means. That when, when someone undergoes a vision quest, the vision quest is not complete until the person who experienced the vision quest just uh, describes the vision quest to the entire tribe okay. and goes and, and speaks in front of the tribe. Okay. And then it's at that point that the vision quest is complete because it's then been returned. Like the circle of that journey has been returned to the tribe. Mm. And then it becomes part of um, the tribal knowledge mm. and it becomes something that they collectively draw on. Okay. So mm. that reflex, right? I mean, we're, we're pro-social primates, that reflex to share, that reflex to engage with people who are your own, mm-hmm. yeah, and in this mm-hmm. case, in, in Facebook parlance, you know, your friends or whatever, and I know that's uh, more widely cast than on an interpersonal level. Okay. I, you can't, uh, to me, like when you describe your experience of that, um, it seems much closer to that than to the other thing that I think social media is often about, and this is meant generally, not at anyone in particular, which is a kind of exercise in vanity uh, and mm-hmm. self-advertisement, mm-hmm. which is often how it's used. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the the fact that you, A, had the impulse to share the experience that way, B, were, you know, g- catharsis is probably not the exact word I'm looking for, but experience some kind of emotional fulfillment mm-hmm. um, and some understanding uh, of yourself and your place and your relationship and the fact that you went back to the post to qualify and like, you know, had sort of sat with it and thought like, oh, I didn't talk about how I love my mom mm-hmm. and like 
clearly, clearly that is a therapeutic experience for you and mm-hmm. probably also a therapeutic experience for these people who are sharing in your grief. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclosure, I mean, since we're talking about personal stuff, um, it was, and it's not about me at all, it was weird to me that I knew about it after your, you know, 10,000 Facebook friends, <laughs> uh, you know, and so th- that, but, you know, that's not, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's weird to me. I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not complaining about that, but that was, um, that was just an odd disjunction. But when you describe, you know, kind of that, what, how you experience that, clearly that was a, a, p- a powerful and fulfilling experience for you. So. so I'm glad that you brought that up because I do want to address that. Um, you know, we are deeply, deeply close friends. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I call you pretty much about anything. I, I didn't feel when I, one, once I, I kind of knew I needed to write this post because I knew I needed to write something about my mom. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I did want to sort of put it out there because I guess I did intuit that it would be some kind of therapeutic experience for me it felt weird mm-hmm. to me thinking that i would just call you up to say hey travis my mom died like i don't like it occurred mm-hmm. to me to do and i just didn't want to do that like i just did not want to just yeah. call you up and say that it just felt was it an emotional thing because you are so close to travis was it emotional it felt you know what it felt like actually it felt like i didn't want to put that on him like I didn't want to. Like I felt like, oh, I don't, I don't want to. I don't okay, want to. Okay. Okay. I don't want to have Travis. Yeah, that's like, that's feel that's, that that's way fucking crazy. But okay. <laughs> I'm glad you said it that way. I have another take. <laughs> it, it's, 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 okay, it's crazy from Travis's point of view. I also feel like there is th- there's a remarkable difference between the community that you have assembled around you versus the one that you chose, you know, Mm. and there are people Mm. that you chose in your community on Facebook Mm. for sure. Mm. And there are the people who followed you and you're like, Oh, Mm. didn't seem like a killer. Let me add them, you know? Um, (laughs) 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 And so for me, when I heard you say that, I thought the first person I call when shit is happening, that, that just is Carla. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've known Carla since high school. Mm -hmm. We raised a kid together. We live together. Mm -hmm. We've done projects Mm -hmm. together and we're still very close. Mm. Mm-hmm. There is a space in her sensibility that allows me to collapse. Mm-hmm. And there are, mm-hmm. and I very rare like there are very few times I've seen him that been in my life where I needed to collapse. She was mm-hmm. there when my mother passed. She was there when my um a few other relatives passed or whatever when mm-hmm. things were really hard for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to put that on you and your relationship to to Travis, but I was thinking mm-hmm. about how certain people bring out certain things to me. Like I don't call yeah. certain people with certain problems. I right. don't. Not because yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. they can handle it because I'm not interested in the way they're going to respond to it. Right. The way I think they're going to respond to it. Right. <laughs> Do you know? And we had a brief conversation about a friend mm-hmm. of ours just before we got on the podcast about that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. But, but I think, I think, yeah, I think that this does say something about me and that I'm, I was totally willing to, you know, sort of to make this memorial public but i was not willing to call anyone and say hey my mom died um and that maybe has a good deal to do with um my sort of self-protective mechanisms 
that it's it's mm-hmm. it's very hard for me to um oh boy this is gonna get real personal um it's very hard for me to allow myself mm-hmm. to be in that space of collapsing in front of someone okay. and i think this is actually weirdly translates into my sexual behavior because mm-hmm. it's very hard difficult for me to allow mm-hmm. myself to orgasm um mm. with someone um it it typically takes a long time and i have to build up a good deal of trust with them okay um mm-hmm. uh and you have all of all of our female listeners are quickly googling your contact information so <laughs> 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 and a couple of men, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> That's funny. No, but it gets. But the thing is, honestly, it gets in the way. It gets in the way because um, when I when I've had um, encounters with women, um, like the person I visited in Chicago, um, mm. they yeah, were very. We've talked about this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you they were very, very, yeah. very put off by that. They're like, "Well, why aren't you?" Come on, like, uh, like, I, yeah. I'm, like I'm yeah. having a great time. Like, why, why aren't you finishing? Yeah, yeah. And uh, <sighs> so, yes, it, it, that's that is something. That's definitely that's me. That's just me. I just am really, I'm just kind of wound tightly like that. Like it, it takes me a while yeah. to, or, or it's it's not my go to move to be as vulnerable okay okay with someone who's really close because yeah i don't know i don't know yeah i get that i relate to that i have a different uh, compensate i have a different compensatory mechanism for it but i i obviously i get that too the mm-hmm. that would be difficult for me to collapse in front of of someone in that way for sure uh, for sure. Yeah. So, especially in someone, I mean, in public or, I mean, cause well, you didn't collapse, right? I mean, you, you turned your grief into uh, a testament, right? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that, that, that's yes. what, that's what you did. And you know, sort of, you, yeah. you, you made a dedication to your mom. I mean, that, that's why I said, like when I, when you described it, like it yeah. so clearly fulfills a, a near, I mean, as eternal as anything can be for humans, it uh, it fulfills that um, a deep need that we have to be seen by a community. Um, there is a question I wanted to pose to both of you, which is something I could feel slightly guilty about. I don't, I don't think, but it's niggling. Mm-hmm. When people have, when I've spoken to people subsequently um, to the post and and subsequent to to um, I guess um, converse, yeah, phone conversations um, or subsequent in subsequent phone conversations, I have heard from people, um, you know, things like, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss," and then I, I, and then I feel the need to say something to sort of ameliorate. The mm. loss. So I say, well, course, and this yeah, is truthful. Yeah, yeah. I say she she had mm-hmm. dementia, and she couldn't take care of herself anymore. Uh, and she did have a. I think I don't know if the woman was a living health aide, but they had someone there to like cook meals and clean up and all of that. Mm-hmm. And my mom had really physically deteriorated, according to what I heard. So there are various ways I have of saying this, couching this. Mm-hmm. I said, well, she gets to lay that burden down now, or in some ways it's, it's better. It's a better that she's she's passed because she doesn't, 
I know that she was not happy being in that state, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess my question is like, it's not about whether that's appropriate to say because it is. It's just like, what is that about? Like, am I saying that mm. because I'm I'm uncomfortable with someone else expressing their grief right, for right, me? Right. Am I am I saying that because? Um, that's kind of the only way for me to understand mm. or, uh, yeah, to, 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 to make sense of her passing. I, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sure why that's, that's the move I make. So I have, do have, I do have a couple things that I'm still marinating on mm. around this idea of having an answer for a question, mm. an immediate answer for a question. Mm. So, of course, then I pulled the lens back and I said, what if you have more time with this person? You're having a longer conversation. I'm sorry mm-hmm. about your loss. You're talking about impossible things, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we go to the cliche because the cliche works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's very efficient mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm not Absolutely, really thinking yeah. about it, whether or, not it's, whether or not it's sincere or not sincere, but it's, it's easily accessible language or a phrasing. And so... When you said that about, you know, ease, you know, having a need to respond, what if you just responded with thank you? Like, what was mm. your, I have, I wanted to know more about why you felt like you had a need to respond. Yeah. And so. In that way. Glad that you said that. Because actually, in some instances, I just, I just did say thank you. In instances where, and this is the thing, in instances where I knew that it wasn't going to be a long conversation, where it was somebody talking we we were talking and i knew that we needed to sort of transition from that to whatever like the business that was at hand i would just say thank mm-hmm. you thank you i appreciate you saying that um that mm-hmm. felt good and it felt like the right thing to do in longer conversations i found myself wanting to explain that in some ways her death was a blessing essentially Big, mm-hmm. and and I, and i I'm not sure why. Yeah, it's just, I guess it's just. Well, do you feel that way about it, though? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I, I mean, if you, I mean, you, you I couched it at the beginning by okay. saying, yeah, I, I mean, that do. you said that this, you weren't, yeah, you weren't, you weren't being dishonest about it. Um, so, I mean, I, I understand the point of your question. I, I get it. I, and clearly it probably serves a different function in different contexts, but it, it, I, I mean, you're being honest about how you read that situation and the difficulties of, you know, her end of life and many people's end of life. Um, I mean, it's just really, really fucking hard and difficult. Mm. And uh, mm. not for everyone, but for a lot of people. And I'll, I can say this. It feels sometimes. So when my mother passed away, I felt like I was underwater for about a year or more. I was living in Atlanta at that point, and she passed away in Toledo, her hometown. Mm. And I was so happy that I wrote what I felt immediately down mm-hmm. after, like, a maybe about five minutes after she passed, after I got the call. Mm. And over the years, she passed in 97, just uh, mm-hmm. January 97, a day before my 31st mm-hmm. birthday, um, which was interesting to me because... The next day, they threw a party for me at work, but I just didn't really get it. I was on my, you know, about to get on a plane to go home. Right. But I only bring that up because there's so many ways that I think about her passing now 
that had no idea. They came mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm cl- I was close to my mom, mm-hmm. you know, and she died. She mm-hmm. had breast cancer in '92, and then finally the cancer came back in '97 mm-hmm. to finish her off. Mm-hmm. And so since then, I've thought about grief in a variety of ways. Do you know, at first I thought I just needed to finish school. I just need to finish mm. school. Mm. <laughs> and you get the fuck out of Atlanta. I need to finish school. <laughs> that was mm. it. Was everything else didn't make any sense. I was like, why are people driving mm. on the freeway? My mother's dead. Mm. Why didn't the world stop? <laughs> mm. You know, it was odd. But I, yeah. I only bring that up because I was thinking about how you might feel. Not how might how might you feel later, but that yeah. you might might be surprised about the ways that you're kind of engaging it later. Right. Do you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, I know, you know, we, um, I don't want to open up a whole other avenue of conversation, but I do have a a question that, you know, about it. Is it weird Mm -hmm. for you? Inadequate word. I don't mean weird, but is it difficult or a challenge Mm -hmm. for you that the last member of your family that you have, I mean, your sister, obviously, um, is your father? I mean, which you have, mm. you know, a very fraught relationship with. Certainly, much more than your mom. I know it was complicated, but you know, it, it's it's still different mm. than the relationship you have with your father. Is that um, mm. does that change your perception of that relationship at all? Does it? I mean, just how do you feel about it? Is it not something that you really thought about? It's mm. a great question. It's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I had occasion to think of that because one of the things that is the cliche that it, that comforts people going through the loss of a parent is the notion that you feel more alone in the world. You feel kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. actually feel that way. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe part of the mm-hmm. reason I don't is that my father is still around. It, it, the fact that my mom passed first actually makes me think that God, if there is a supreme intelligence in the universe, he or mm-hmm. she or they have mm-hmm. a wicked, grotesquely wicked sense of humor. Because I, am, I, I, I do not like my father. My father is just a really mean-spirited person who cloaks that mean-spiritedness in religious affiliation um, or um, loyalty. He just, it's it's this particular kind of cruelty to to have to have to try to reconstruct some sort of relationship um, in order to not reconstruct, actually, no, to mm-hmm. play at having some kind of relationship with him just to like get through the funeral when there is one mm-hmm. in Jamaica. Like, I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, he, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a moment of particular, um, what's the word? A particular disappointment in the, in the week past when he called me and he asked me to write the eulogy for my mom. And I'm, I'm fine with doing that. And I think that that's actually the precise, I'm precisely the person to do that. Mm-hmm. But he told mm-hmm. me after I'd agreed that I'd write it and I said, I sent it to him. I, he, I said, um, uh, well, how am I going to get it to you? And he said, well, you can just email it to me. And I said, 
you have an email address? And he said, yeah, and he gave it to me. And I recall a conversation that we had. Now, mind you, I may be, you know, he may have gotten his email address subsequently, but I recall a conversation before I was going off to London back in 2006, I think, where I asked him for his support with the PhD because I knew it was going to be a really rough, a really rough and long to, haul. To, no, 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 no. I, I have a very clear memory of this. He offered support. That's actually what happened. You didn't, he offered his support to help you with the PhD. And then on multiple occasions, and then became dodgy about fulfilling that. Oh, right, right. Uh, that's right. Like he wouldn't come through. That's right. And I kept asking yep, and asking, right. and he was just, yeah. he was just like, no, well. So, um, but I recall a conversation with him where he, I, I mean, yeah, you, you remember well what I said to you then, but I do recall a conversation with him in the kitchen table in his house in New Jersey where he was like, well, I don't really, I'm not really into you doing whatever you're doing. Um, uh-huh. but anyway, he was, he was flaky. He didn't come through. And, um, at the time I remember telling him and he's, he's with this long-term, um, partner now, a woman named Hope, who he was with then. Um, um, I remember asking him how we would keep in contact because I was, you know, going to be off in London, and and I said, you know, is there, can I can I email you? Can we keep in contact? And he's like, I don't have an email address. Uh, I, I don't really mess around with email. Mm. So when he gave me his email address this week, I was like, I felt like asking. Well, no, I didn't feel like asking him anything. I felt I felt really disappointed. I was like, "Motherfucker, did you have this mm-hmm. back in 2016? You just told me that you didn't, just just so you wouldn't have to deal with mm-hmm. me. That's fucked up." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not to. I mean, obviously, you have a, a much deeper and and more complete memory bank for interactions with your father. But as I recall it, that was almost a year of back and forth, where essentially he would kind of hint at or offer to help. And then when pressed would kind of dance back from it, but would mm-hmm. say like he had sent you some letter, like it, it was a whole thing. And the, the New Jersey conversation, as I remember it was at the end where finally like, you know, you were trying to pin him down on this thing that he had offered initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally you, you, you came to some realization that, you know, that no, he just wasn't going to, and we had a call, you, you, there, you know, you'd said, this is what he's done my whole life. You know, like he, he dangles these things and then, you know, mm. uh, and then basically ghosts you. I mean, we, we weren't calling it ghosting then. That's not really what you, you called it, but that's what he was mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Um, at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. He would so. refuse to take my phone calls just when they answer, I'd leave long, long voicemails Ooh. and just, he just, Ignore yeah. me, but this, yeah. but this is the this is what this is the way my father this is the the method my father developed to punish me when he could no longer mm. hit me when he could no right. worse yeah, yeah. beat mm. on me so um, you know it's it's a particular kind of gruesome universal being that would of the two people in my immediate family who I could um, even have a conversation with that the one who was the smart one, who was the resilient one, who was the really supportive one would be the one that would get dementia yeah. and die. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. You had said, you know, you had said that, uh, 
twisted sense of humor, if, you know, or God describing God as having a twisted sense of humor. There's no one to fucking laugh at that joke, so that just makes him a sadist. Right. <gasps> Yo, that's exactly right. I mean, there's... Fuck. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, like, yes. That's exactly right. Like that. and, that's, and that's why, pe- when, when, I mean, forever, mm. for the rest of my life, when people tell me whoever they are, when people are like, God is so good. I want to say, say, you definitely have not been around the block. If that's what you think. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I want to say, no, read Job, motherfucker. Read read Job in the Bible. How about Job? Because basically, God and Satan are like, like God says to Satan, like, you see my servant Job? Like, go ahead, fuck with him. Like, I, you can do whatever you want. He's still gonna believe in me. Like, it's like, it's like, that's gangster shit that you can, that God said to the devil. Yeah, that's a pimp thing. That's a pimp thing. Like, you yeah. take this, you, you can take her, do whatever you want. She's still gonna come back. Right. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So, yeah, I'm, I'm done with both fathers. I'm done with both of them. Shit. Yeah. Yo. Whoever our two Christian listeners are, they just dropped off. So, <laughs> <laughs> or they're listening close. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the better response for me? Listen yeah. closely. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, I think we should wrap up the conversation yeah. on, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. On that uplifting note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, um, as always, thanks very much. And uh, Seth, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Yeah.